This is episode 142 of the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. Welcome to episode 142 of the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. Today, I have Jeremy Ivany on the show. Jeremy was on the show a little while back, about a year ago. And since then, he's more than doubled his portfolio. He is just absolutely crushing it. So he and his partner, Taylor, uh, they run their business together where they are focused on Chatham, Ontario, where they're buying units, they're doing perfect burrs, they're adding improvements, pulling out a lot of cash and growing their portfolio aggressively. They're now up to 60 units. And Jeremy on this episode talks about how he never expected to be where he is right now, how he's grown from being the guy that works on his site, doing his own renovation, doing their own management to now being hands off and not even going to Chatham anymore. So the rate at which these two move is absolutely incredible. Uh, I don't think I've seen another couple that it's done it quite like they have. It's just really impressive. And it's always great to catch up with Jeremy and hear what he's doing, how he's thinking, because he's a very creative guy. And uh, he and Taylor have tons of great ideas. So uh, we really dig into that on this episode. Tons of gold nuggets were dropped. So I highly recommend give this episode a couple of lessons so that you can soak it all up. Just before we jump into that, please make sure you hit the like, subscribe and notification bell. Leave us a comment and let us know what you think. And if you're listening on the audio versions, if you wouldn't mind, take a moment and rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts, just so more people can find the show. It'd be greatly appreciated. So without further ado, let's jump into episode 142, our catch up with Jeremy Ivany. Here we go. Hello and welcome to the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. I have Jeremy Ivany on the show for a second time. Going to give us a little bit of an update on what he's up to. Jeremy, thanks for doing this. Yeah, Andrew, man, I'm glad to be here. So uh, I'm sure some people haven't heard your first episode. Uh, why don't we just start off with a quick Cole's notes on kind of where you started and, and where you've gotten yourself to now? Yeah, yeah. So I started real estate investing two and a half years ago. I'm 25 years old right now. I invest full time uh, as well with uh, my partner, Taylor. Uh, she also recently just quit her day job. So her and I are both in the business uh, complete full time now. Uh, in the past two and a half years, we've been able, we've done about 30 deals, uh, 16 of which are now buy and holds. The rest have either been properties we've sold off to trade up to larger buildings. Um, and we have a core focus of investing solely in Chatham into uh, mid-sized multifamily properties. Um, we we kind of started with the single family duplex, triplex. Now we're trying to work ourselves up into some of the uh, the more medium-sized multifamily buildings. We've purchased a couple of 12 plexes and uh, really just utilizing the Burr model, using other people's money and more creative financing strategies to continue growing our portfolio um, more on the sole ownership side versus more of the joint venture side, which is uh, something we've dabbled in a little bit, but realized kind of early on, uh, definitely sole ownership is better than, than giving yeah. half of it away. Well, yeah, all things equal, I, I suppose. Yes, you're all right. Exactly. Um, okay, so let's just unpack that a little bit. You said you are using other people's money, but you're not necessarily taking on JVs. And I know originally you weren't really taking on JVs, but you started dabbling in a few of them. So how are you using other people's money? Yeah. So a lot of what we're using other people's money for is... Um, so we, typically what we're doing is we're buying underperforming assets. So we're going in there, paying uh, cash for the properties, um, doing doing renovations to the property, getting the property up to its best and highest use. So for, uh, a good example would be a fourplex that we're working on right now. Uh, we went in with a private lender, uh, then utilize other people's money to kind of support the renovations and the remaining down payment required. Um, we're then going to turn over those all four of those units in that fourplex, bring it back to our credit union that we have a really strong relationship with, um, and then uh, and then own the property 100% versus, like I said, using a joint venture partner um, where maybe they bring all the capital in. Um, so you have less stress of being like having that 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 worry of like, can I pay this money back? But at the end of the day, we still own the asset 100%. Yeah, and that's uh, that's going to really pay off long term when you you know when you divest of these and you're not giving away half of the value of them. Obviously, that's huge. Um, the only uh, yeah, the only thing I say with with JVs is sometimes people bring more to the table than just money. And if that's the exactly. case, then it's a different deal, right? Like my business partner, or well, I've, I've worked with him many times. Like we just it wasn't one plus one equals two. It was like one plus one equals like five. So exactly, uh, that's where it gets really cool when you can do stuff like that. Yeah, for sure. And actually, I own a few part, uh, properties with James Fernandez. Uh, very similar situation. You know, he, it's not a one plus one equals two in that situation. It's like he's got a lot of really, uh, really cool ideas, unique ideas, and um, we can kind of foster that relationship together to actually, you know, grow out an asset uh, more than maybe just myself would be capable of doing. So there's definitely um, there's definitely pros and cons uh, for for both strategies. 
for right, sure. Absolutely. So your typical structure, are you, are you mostly just promissory notes with these people or are they doing second mortgages or what? Yeah. I mean, we've done a mixture of everything. Uh, obviously, you know, as investors, it's a promissory notes is, uh, like, you know, the gold, uh, the gold way, in my opinion, I, I love yeah, it's so much notes. easier, <laughs> so much easier. It's just, you know, oftentimes it's just a handshake deal versus obviously, you know, having yeah. to go the second mortgage route, registering it on title, making sure you have enough equity to register that loan on title. Oh, yeah. And then obviously, you know, it could, it could kind of hurt you down the line too, with maybe you want to refinance that property. Um, yeah. but maybe that second mortgage is stuck onto there. Maybe you don't want your lender to find out things like that. So definitely try and stick with the promissory notes as much as possible. And especially so, now we've developed, um, a good brand for ourselves and, uh, kind of seems like people want to just give us money. So it's, yeah, yeah. That's what happens, right? You get rolling and people want to, want to lend you money. So you had, I think like, what was it? Nine properties a year ago when you were on this show, something like yep. that. And I think one of them was a JV or maybe two. Yep. Um, so what are you at right now? So we got uh, 16 properties. We've got 60 units. We've, we've, uh, we've, uh, we've actually doubled our portfolio since last year. And okay. we've actually, actually yesterday, we just tied up four more properties. So we're going to be adding another 15 or so units to our portfolio. And that's kind of a, the trajectory we're on right now. We really want to put ourselves in more of a growth stage. So we've tried to, I think last year I was talking about trying to develop our business around what it's going to look like in two years. And now we're really taking that into action and thinking, you know, for our kind of outlook in the next two years is we want to own 200 units. And we're trying to figure out like, what does our business, how does our business operate when we have 200 units and let's operate it right now like that. Um, and so we're trying to outsource essentially everything we don't like doing, or we're able to outsource to somebody that's going to do, do it better than we would do uh, is, is what we're, what we're focusing on right now. Okay. Uh, well, there's a couple of things I want to unpack there. <laughs> so why don't we start with, uh, with what you're outsourcing? And then we'll, we'll dig into one of these deals and kind of get an idea of what you're looking at and how you're running it. For sure. Okay. So I'll, I'll, I'll kind of start with, uh, what am I not going to outsource and then I'll, and then I'll work it backwards. So what I'm not going to outsource is, uh, uh, raising private capital and, uh, sourcing the deals and analyzing the deals. Uh, pretty much everything beyond that is going to be outsourced. So property management is going to be outsourced. We're actually about two or three more days away from never having to talk to a tenant again, or at least having very limited contact with tenants. Uh, we're hiring a VA to kind of help us with social media and kind of just, uh, you know, be more consistent with social media. So uh, starting a YouTube channel, to, just to kind of, you know, teach more people and, and mm -hmm. kind of put our message out there more of, you know, financial independence at an early age is I think what a lot of people want. And just trying to focus on how do people get there. So hiring a VA to help us do that. Now that Taylor is involved in the business more, we have a lot more time to, uh, you know, to outsource things. Whereas before we we're kind of in this survival mode where it's like, I don't even have time to outsource because I need to do these things and there's like really no time for it. So yeah, you were still doing work. That was one exactly. year ago. You were, you were yeah. uh, in that, in the units applying your electrical skills and other handy skills. Yeah, for sure. So I don't even do any more renovations. I don't do any more maintenance. Um, I actually don't even really go to Chatham anymore. I, I probably go to Chatham once every month and a half, two months. So really trying to operate my business as if I was in a different country. We're actually going to Costa Rica for a couple months. So I'm trying to like really get in the mindset of how do I solve this problem with my phone? Uh, and oftentimes you can solve really any problem with a few text messages. And that's what I've realized because before I used to really get entangled in the business and think I need to be the problem solver for everything. And oftentimes I can just be the, the coordinator to solve these problems. And I've been a lot more efficient, just kind of operating that way. And the next stage after that is hiring a new coordinator. Exactly. <laughs> to do, to that. do that. <laughs> that's what I, be, that's what I get my site supervisor in Sarnia to do. He's, he's the coordinator. Uh, I still do some of it, but I try and give him more and more, but I'm starting to realize I'm overloading him a little bit. So I'm probably going to have to, um, you know, maybe move some of that over to a VA or, or something like that. Um, now that is something I want to dig into more, uh, but you said you're not going to be outsourcing a certain number of activities. I'm guessing coaching is one of those. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, we definitely don't want to have this kind of coaching business where we have a bunch of people working under us. I really coaching kind of just started out of the blue. So I had this student that, uh, my a student that I'm coaching right now reach out to me and he said, Jeremy, I basically want to do what you're doing. And I said, well, I've never really done this. I've never really teached anybody how to do this before. And I said, but I, I feel like the only way I'm going to be incentivized is if you pay me. So we just kind of figured out like, okay, what, what should it cost for the year? And we just kind of mutually agreed on it. And, and then, and then he started getting a lot of success, right? We were doing weekly calls. He started, he's about seven properties since I've been working with him. And that's only been six, seven months. So, I'll chat and then him. beyond that, I'll chat him. Um, 
a lot of them he's bought off of me and I've just kind of just helped him navigate that sort of, uh, uh, business, right. Cause he's, he doesn't have experience, uh, buying properties it's like he came to me with, with never having a property, uh, under his belt. So, and then kind of beyond then, uh, just kind of word of mouth. And then obviously just, you know, him, him speaking to other investors and me speaking to other investors, more and more people kind of get, um, you know, want that accountability. And that's really where the coaching has kind of taken us. But uh, definitely, I feel like a lot more um, enthusiastic teaching people that that really want results. But it's I think it's more of just kind of a side business and really, at this point, focusing on like growing the the real mm-hmm. estate side of things. Yeah, awesome, man. Um, okay, so I have a list of questions here I wanted to ask you about. Um, can we just before we get off of the topic there about outsourcing? So coaching is obviously something still internal. Um, you're not going to be outsourcing capital raise. Obviously, that's very relationship oriented. Um, your structure there, you are you just paying people like a monthly return and then yep. paying them back their money at the end. So it's pretty yep. pretty easy for them. Okay. And um, anything else that you're you're you know keeping in house? Uh, no. I mean, uh, I was actually in a master. I was out in a mastermind in Hawaii a couple of weeks ago, and one of the things we focused on is like, what what am I actually like? What are you good at? Because the problem I think a lot of real estate investors have is we jump into this and then we and then we just develop this business that we didn't even know was a business. So we start wearing all of these different hats, right? So uh, that's kind of what happened to me. We we grew so quickly and and then all of a sudden I was like the property manager, even though I had no property management skills. And then I was like the 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 like the contractor and I was the maintenance guy and I was wearing all of these hats. And that's not why I got into real estate. So then I kind of took a step backwards and I thought, what do I actually enjoy doing in real estate? And I like finding properties and buying them. And, and I think beyond that, I don't really have any sort of connection with real estate. So that's really what I want to build my business around. I want to, I want to think, what do I want to do? And then bring on the people that are better at doing what I don't want to mm-hmm. do uh, to me and, and kind of create uh, something cool in that sense. Okay. So how are you finding these people? And I know you property management was a big, big one. Obviously that's a big thing off your plate. You guys were using, I think, Buildium before. Yep. Yeah. Is that still a system that you're going to be on with a property manager running it or no, is this all changing? No. So Taylor went ahead and she pretty much interviewed, I think every property manager that, uh, that would either, either return our call or was in Chatham that would, that would do property management in Chatham. We had a big focus on this is where we're going. Can a company that we're going to hire, can they come with us along that journey? Right. So we didn't want to hire a company that, you know, maybe only had 30, 40 units under their belt. And then all of a sudden we were going to give them 60. And then, you know, in the next year when we bring on another hundred, can they support that? So it was really difficult to find a company that kind of fit our criteria. Um, but yeah, that, that was uh, really just like how we're finding them is we're just kind of going through all the due diligence process and making sure like the people that we bring on our team are, uh, you know, kind of fit our core values. So we want people that like, I want everybody on my team to be somebody I can be like best friends with. I want them to be like people I would invite them on vacation with. I don't want there to be some sort of firewall where it's like, you know, I'm, I'm above you or you're below me, whatever the case may be. I want us all to kind of grow together. And I want everybody around me to be in that same mindset where it's like, this is where we're going. Let's do it. So uh, same with we're, we're actually hiring an acquisitions person to help us with kind of not really wholesaling, but bringing on our, like bringing in more off market properties for ourselves. And when I was kind of writing out what this person looked like, um, I just thought like, do I know anybody like this? And I knew somebody like that. So when I was in Hawaii and I kind of had this realization, like I know this person, I just called them up and I said, when I'm back in Canada, like we need to get together because I have a job offer for you. And it was something I was, I was, I wasn't really comfortable doing, right. I've never actually hired somebody full-time and offered them a salary, but I thought like, now's the time to do this mm-hmm. because there's going to, there's going to be no better time than right now. So. Is this somebody I know? I feel like I, I might know. No, you don't. No? You okay. don't. You, you might know a few other people that I yeah. had in mind, but uh, there was somebody, like I said, it's, uh, it's somebody that I think uh, is going to fit our core values kind of as we continue growing. And, and I want that to, uh, like, I don't want to have this, this business where we're always turning people over. I want people to come with us and stay with us and, and really, you know, make a bunch of money with us. So, well, yeah, that's the, uh, that's the interesting part, right? You know, in a time like this where it's never been probably harder to find good help. I mean, although some of the, you know, people getting let go from other jobs maybe can come over, uh, but with all the incentives to stay home, how are you, how are you attracting this good help? And that, in this case, I guess you've kind of answered it. It's that there's an enthusiasm about what could happen and, and how much money could be made. 
Yeah. I think at the end of the day, you can, you can convince anybody to do what you want. If there's a certain dollar figure behind that, that ask. And I think that's really what it, it comes to, right? Like who, like, I don't want, I don't want to pay industry standards because the person I'm hiring isn't an industry standard person. They're above and beyond that. So I'm going to, I'm going to compensate them beyond that. So the compensation is, uh, is, is really good in my opinion. And, uh, the, the base salary is really good. So that's, that's really, and that kind of goes with all of my contractors too. Uh, anytime they do a project for me, there's always a bonus at the end, uh, whether they, you know, whether the job maybe took a little bit longer uh, than expected, because I understand like, even when I was uh, doing projects, they took longer than expected, but I'm always incentivizing people that, um, that, that I'm not, I'm not the only one here out to make money. I want everybody else around me to make money as well. So Give me an example of how that would like what that would look like. You yeah. don't have to give any names of contractors, but just like an example of what the structure would look like. Yeah, for sure. So we did a uh, we had a two bedroom unit that came up. Uh, I was able to move a tenant in one of my triplexes into a fourplex, and she moves out. I want to say probably like the tenth or twelfth of let's say July, and then I wanted to, and then I had somebody that would have rented the unit for August first. Now the rent was going to like double, and I was really. I was, I really wanted to get this unit done. We had to rip out all the drywall. We had to replace the kitchen. We had to take down some supporting walls and put in some beams. We had like, we pretty much renovated an entire unit in 10 days. Uh, I honestly, like my contractor would have been able to do this in two months if I had given him two months. But I said, if like, can we, is there, is there a way where we can get this done in two weeks so that I can move this other tenant in and I don't lose him? It was a, it was like a triple A plus tenant. So I didn't want to lose this guy. Uh, And they did it. And at the beginning of the job, I said, I just looked at everything. I said, what is, what is like, what are some of the barriers we're going to face in this job? So I made sure all the material was on site. Everything was, everything was there. There was no reason why it couldn't get done unless time, uh, they got it done. So the last day there was six of them there. The last day I, I went into the unit and I gave every single person there 500 bucks cash. Uh, still to this day, they talk about that. Like it was like a life-changing moment for them. Not because of, not because the 500 bucks, because they actually felt respected, uh, by me. So I, I do this, I do this stuff all the time. Uh, one of my contractors just hired a new employee. I would just literally, I was at home Depot. I saw there was like a tool set on sale. I knew he just had like an impact, but I knew he needed all these other tools. It was like $199 came, went, came back, brought him the tools. Uh, again, just like the happiest person I've ever seen. Uh, just these small things, uh, they, they really add up. Yeah, that's a, that's a great message. And, you know, you're getting me thinking about how I can implement that in, in my business because that, I like it when it's not expected, which is, you know, if you could just surprise someone with something when, you know, it wasn't on their mind that I think they appreciate it that much more. What I like to avoid is, is when it just becomes standard. So do you feel like you doing something like that now, next time they'll be like looking at you when you come in on the last day, okay, where's, where's my bonus? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I really just look at it as like, how much money am I making and how much money can I kind of just afford to, you know, mm-hmm. give away, especially at this t- point in time, like losing a contractor is like, uh, I don't know what it can compare to, but it, it sucks. Uh, yeah. It really sucks. Trying to replace a contractor is very difficult. So whatever I have to pay, uh, so be it. I had a contractor that was kind of just falling behind. He used, he was very, he was very loyal to me. And then, you know, I just noticed jobs kind of weren't getting done or I'd ask him to do something and it was taking a little bit longer. I said to him, I said, what's the problem, man? Is, do you need more money? Do you need more time? Do you want to stop doing these jobs? I said, it's, it's something, there's obviously something going on because we never had this problem. And he said, yeah, he said, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm actually doing some of these other jobs because they're paying a little bit better. And I said, what do you want to get paid? And he said, 35 bucks an hour. I said, okay, done. Yeah. Right. But you know, yeah, sure. Maybe, maybe in a year's time, he's going to say, I want 50 bucks an hour. Is he going to be worth 50 bucks an hour? Probably. Uh, but you know, I just have to do case by case and just kind of understand. I want to keep people incentivized too. Right. I I know how it was at my job. So yeah, 35 bucks an hour is is actually a steal for good help. Um, Exactly. You know, if they're skilled, right? Like obviously unskilled can't get paid that much, but yeah, you might even be in into a $50 an hour's territory. I mean, to me, I've noticed that these guys want to be paid by the job when they're that good that it's not really an hourly anymore, but you know, that takes a different level of thinking to be able to price the jobs. And a lot of them don't want to do that work. So if you can get them hourly, I mean, if they can do the work of, of two workers in, in, you know, half the time, then I'll pay them a hundred dollars an hour. Like, what does that matter at the end of the day, if they get paid what they're worth? Exactly. So, Most people jump ship really. It's ultimately to do with that dollar figure. And you just, mm-hmm. I, I, when I was in Hawaii, I was hanging out with a lot of guys that were buying like mm-hmm. hundred unit apartment buildings. And their biggest issue was having like, they needed, they needed like a second person on their team 
to really help them grow their business. And a problem a lot of them were having is a lot of these big corporations were paying astronomical uh, annual salaries to these people. So they, they could never retain employees. Mm-hmm. Um, but then a good question that they asked is like, what's that employee worth if they're not there with you? Right. So like how much money are you actually losing if they're not in place? Um, and I like to think of that all the time. Like what's a contractor work to me if I don't have a contractor? Well, it's worth a lot because my job, my yeah. jobs are losing money. So, yeah, but you know, we have to kind of dig into the elephant in the room here where most people are doing jobs are doing, you know, conversions here in the greater Toronto area and not getting a perfect burr. Like they're, they're in, you know, they're into these deals after refi for over a hundred grand. Right. Um, you're not in that kind of scenario, right? No, no, no. So no. the attitude can be quite a bit different. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's business by business, right? Yeah. Not so all, what's not your typical like... deal look like, like just at a high level? Yeah. I mean, I just picked up, uh, so I'll talk about my fourplex that I just picked up, picked it up off market, $315,000, which like, I honestly, I stole the property, but, uh, it's going to be, so we're going to put about $80,000 into the deal. Um, using about using all private money, paying this private lender $20,000 for, uh, $400,000 for six months, Pretty really good deal for the private lender. Yeah. All in for about $420,000. It's going to be worth about 580 when it's done conservatively. So um, pretty close to uh, 100% ROI the first year. Um, mm-hmm. going to go about, getting it at about $6,000 in monthly rent. Uh, all utilities paid for by the tenants. So, Okay. So let's, yeah, let's kind of run through those numbers. Are you going to be 75% loan to value on that? Yes. Which credit union is it, if you don't mind me asking? Uh, Libro. Libro. Okay. Yeah. My, a friend of mine uses them for almost everything and all his student rentals and stuff. They do them. Yeah. They're very, uh, very nice to work with. Okay. So you're going to be 6,000 gross rent. So 1500 a unit. Um, that's a nice healthy one. What are your taxes going to look like there? Uh, $2,100 a year. Wow. That's, that's low. And when yeah, you do crazy, the, when you do the rentals on these places, is it typically like no permit required or? Yeah, these are, these are cosmetic rentals. Cosmetic uh, rentals. So okay. just paint flooring. Okay. And would you be like $2,000 a, a year on insurance for something like that or a little bit more? That we are actually $310 a month on insurance. It's quite, it's actually quite high. Yeah. I, I've noticed insurance just going yeah. up, and up. So yeah, that yeah. doesn't surprise me. Um, what do you like to budget for maintenance for a place like that? Um, so we just do what Libro likes to see. That's just how we run the numbers to make sure the DCR works. So we use, they use 10%. So we use 10%. Hey, I'd rather be pleasantly surprised than yep. negatively surprised. So I don't, uh, don't blame you. Okay. Uh, utilities, are you doing inclusive? Uh, so one of the, one of the units, uh, it's going to be inclusive. So we're going to be about, I, we budgeted about $400 a month for utilities. Okay. So that's 4,800 a year. And then management, what's your structure for management going to be looking um, like? So we're paying 5% management fees. And that includes leasing? Uh, no, leasing is 300 bucks. Per unit as well? Per unit. So we could just gross it up to 6% for kind of like an sure. average, including uh, leasing needed. That's actually still a steal, 300 bucks. Um, yeah, we, we negotiated pretty hard with that. So we kind of just did the pitch of, Hey, we got a lot of people coming to us about Chatham. We'll shoot them over to you. Give us a good deal. That's oh yeah. Of. Your property manager is going to have all the, all yeah. the leads, right? <laughs> Never ending business. Exactly. Um, so you get the good deal. Now I, I imagine they don't give everybody that deal. No, no. Uh, most people are going to pay seven, seven and a half, eight percent with them. Okay. So let's say I'm just taking a note in case I decide to invest in Chatham. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good uh, place to be. It's a very good. Yeah, place man. To be. Well, there's still cash flow there, right? There's a lot of cash flow landscaping what are you going to get into there and uh, snow we're about, removal so we're about 80 bucks a month year round for for both snow and and grass cutting okay and then i like to just leave 500 miscellaneous there so you figure your new value is 580 right yep so you're an eight percent cap rate there at uh at 580 so i imagine libro has no issue so they're probably a 25 year amortization yeah 2.75 give or take yeah that's not bad like that's one property and your cash flow is going to be like 1700 dollars. just yep. one property four units yep. so so on a per unit basis here mm. you are 444 bucks a door <laughs> what would you say your average cash flow is on your units across your portfolio uh, 
per unit, I mean, it's, it's scattered. We have some, like, we have some home home runs. Uh, yeah. we have a triplex that we bought for $170,000 and it's yeah. grossing like $5,000 a month, <laughs> put about 80,000 into it. Wow. But, um, we're actually going for, we, so we bought it for 175. We refied it last year for 320. Um, and we're going for a $700,000 refi right now. We're, we're not, I'm not really wow. sure if we're going to get it, but, uh, my appraiser thinks we're going to get it. So we'll see these properties really do pay you. Um, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, your, your net investment on this one is going to be, you know, negative 15,000 after you're done. So you're going to get 15 grand back. So I understand what you mean. Like when there's, when there's money in the deal like that, it, it feels like, okay, yeah, I can spread a little bit of this around oh. to keep my team happy. And I, you know, I like, I like that ideology and I actually, that's, that's kind of how I started for the first time in my, uh, in my life. When I did my first, what ended up being a flip, I actually felt like I can actually afford to pay good people. I'd never felt like anything I'd done before sales related or like little small companies. I'm like, I never felt I could pay help. And, uh, this was the first business where I felt like I could. And, uh, yeah, that's awesome to see that in action. Actually, I had, a, I had your, uh, your LTV a little wrong there. Your cash flow is even better. You're, you're like 1900. <laughs> Yeah, that's going to be awesome. Yeah, that's going to yeah, be this, okay. So this property was interesting. I had to buy actually. So this property came through from a property manager. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I found the owner or I was introduced to the owner and he wanted me to buy his first two duplexes. Now I was in the point, this was back kind of, I don't know, May, May of this year. So I was in a position where I was like, I don't even know if I want to own any more real estate. I was really comfortable with where we were at. But then I, then I found out he owned this fourplex and I said, can I buy this fourplex? And he said, when you close on these two duplexes, uh, then you can, then I'll, then I'll let you look at the fourplex. And, uh, but I had already assigned the, the two duplexes to somebody else. And so I was, I was really hesitant when it was, when it was closing because the, the seller was, or the buyer wasn't even sure if they were going to close. It was a really messy closing, but, uh, but then, yeah, then I was able to get this fourplex. Um, nice, man. So you're getting you're getting them from your property manager. This is the new one that you're working with. No, this is actually just one. I so this was an interesting one. I I had this idea once when when I was trying to like earlier this year we were wholesaling a lot. Where we did quite a bit of wholesaling this year, and I was I was thinking about it. I'm like, what like what's the goal? Like, how do I actually get in front of an owner? Like, what's the best way to get in front of an owner? Because Chatham, it's like pretty much all just renters. There's not a lot of people that like own properties that live in like Toronto, but they own properties in Chatham, right? So it's not like you're, you can't, it's, you can't really door knock and talk to an owner. You can door knock and talk to a tenant. So I had this idea. I'm like, every time I rent a unit, I'm going to ask the person for their landlord's number. Like when they message me on Facebook, I'm just going to say, what's your landlord's number. Okay. And I did this. I honestly only did this for probably like two days and then I got sick of it, but I got like eight properties just doing this. Eight properties, just asking. I, I honestly, that, that that is how I got. I that, that those two days are literally how I've got like majority of my off market properties this year. <laughs> Man, because I got so many cool. numbers, I said, I said, yeah, absolutely, you can come look at this unit. Please let me know who your landlord is. And okay, now did they number. just think you were doing like a landlord check? Like, you know, yeah. Just wants, yeah, yeah. So it's a it's a make sense question. So you get them on the phone and then just ask them, hey, any chance you're looking to sell? Yeah. Cause, and then a lot of times they'll spill the beans, you know, like, Oh, I want to move. Cause there's a, you know, a drug dealer in this unit or the landlord doesn't care anymore. Or, you know, the roof leaks. There's so many like things that like tenants will, will, um, that's gold. Yeah. <laughs> that's a great strategy. I've heard, I've heard a lot. I haven't heard, I haven't heard specifically that one. And that's, uh, I'm going to try that. It's um, awesome. It's like, it's like, and I, and I've thought about, I, I tell all my students this now I'm like, just, create like fake units and just get people to message you and just ask them why they're moving. And a lot of times it's like, I hate my landlord. Awesome. Who's your landlord? Um, so, and I mean, similar to all, I, I do a lot of door knocking and I'll always just say, Hey, I own the property like three doors down from you. Um, I just need to get in talk, contact with your landlord. We're building, maybe we're building a fence or maybe we're doing work on the street. I just kind of get need to get to, um, I need to, I need to have a conversation with them. They'll yeah. always give you the number. But you know what they'll never give you the number for? Hey, I want to buy your your house. Uh, give me your landlord's number. And then they're paying $500. And no, no, this guy's going to make me pay $1,200 or kick me out when he moves in. There's yeah. a 0% chance they're going to give you the number. Wow. So, you just have to think, like, who's the, like, who am I actually talking to here? Because if I'm talking to a homeowner versus talking to a tenant, it's a completely different conversation. Mm-hmm. So, well, you're using common sense yeah, and, and, and logical reasoning, which, yeah, you're you're crushing it obviously because you are and that's that's interesting great idea 
Okay. So you're getting a lot of different multi buildings. Like what's your sweet spot? Are you looking for four units plus or what? Fours are the best. I honestly, fours are the best because I, I can still get them for under, uh, I just bought another one yesterday for 350,000 mm-hmm. in like a sweet area. Uh, so you can, and I mean this, like these properties, like when they, when they hit the market, they're going to sell for 500 when I'm buying them for 350 off market. So four like triplexes and fourplexes off market is really the sweet spot. Definitely getting into the 12 plexes, which is where I want to be. It's getting a lot more difficult to buy them. I mean, I bought my first one for 1.1 million. Now everybody in Chatham wants 2 million for them. Same net operating incomes. Uh, so it's getting a lot more difficult to find uh, deals that make sense in Chatham in, in, in that asset. The higher asset. numbers. Okay. Yeah. So. And what's the city like as far as their requirements go? Uh, in terms of... Like you're, you're operating as a fourplex. Do they recognize it as that? Is it not even a topic for conversation? Do you just go by what the zoning says? What level of due diligence do you feel is necessary to make sure you're safe, quote unquote? Yeah, so we have a standard operating procedure when we purchase properties. One of them is uh, when, we, when we're about to offer on a property, we send a quick email to somebody at the city of Chatham, uh, Tina, who will essentially just verify what the, what the, what the current legal uses of the property, I would say 50% of the time, it's what it's, it's currently being operated at, uh, or operating as. So, uh, that's, that's our first, that's our first check mark. Now, depending on the purchase price, we, we won't care if it's legal or illegal. Uh, you know, if we're going to buy, if we're going to buy a fourplex for $300,000, I don't care if it's legal or not. As long as I understand, does it have enough parking? Does it currently have five meters or four meters on site? So I can maybe backtrace it that way and, and legalize it. Uh, but you know, if I'm buying a, a fourplex on market for, let's say 500,000, then I'm going to be a lot more diligent. And is this legal? You know, am I going to have to jump through a lot of hoops? Am I going to have to spend a lot more capital in order to legalize this if I ever had to, but, mm-hmm. uh, but I own a, I own an illegal triplex that, uh, that was listed as a duplex and it's getting appraised as a triplex. So I don't really think there's like a clear communication log of, of what's legal, what's not in Chatham because, you know, sometimes appraisers will say it's legal. Sometimes the city will say it's legal, but then the appraiser will say it's illegal. Right. So that's just, who, who are we really going to rely on? Um, if it's, if it's currently being operated as is, I'm not really uh, nervous. I mean, there's a, there's a housing crisis. Uh, yeah. Well, I, I'm just, you know, throw this out there. I, I know a lot of guys that doing this in Hamilton, they're taking stuff that's only legal for two, closing the permit and adding two more units and then getting it appraised as a fourplex. That's a standard operating procedure in Hamilton, much bigger city. That. Also housing crisis, well, housing crisis everywhere. Right. So, so your vacancy is obviously quite low in, uh, in Chatham. Yeah. Is that across the board? Like people need places to live everywhere. Oh yeah. I mean, you put a two bedroom unit up for rent, you're going to get 200 people messaging you in the next at 1500 bucks. Uh, I mean, definitely weeding out a few people, but uh, you're still going to get it because there's not much available. If you go on Facebook marketplace and look at what's available in Chatham, Mm -hmm. you're probably going to find three or four units. There's really not much. And so, I mean, when you have the city of Chatham calling you and saying, Hey, I heard you're a landlord. Do you have anything available? Do you have any properties where you can add additional units? Uh, I think you're in a really good market and that's what we're seeing in Chatham. So, so they're, yeah, they're pro expansion right now. Yeah. I mean, I called them, I have, I've got a bunch of fourplexes with huge lots in the back and anytime I've called them about adding an additional unit or uh, two of our five fourplexes have massive three bedroom units on the main floor that I'd like to chop into two or three units. Mm -hmm. And uh, every two, both times I've called, there's been somebody that's called me back, asked me to get on a zoom call with them look at the zoning map, look at how we're going to make this possible. So they're very like, how can we make this easier for you? Um, right. So are they really open like to that. like tiny homes in the backyard or stuff Absolutely. like that? Yeah. So a good friend of ours, uh, they're, they're actually trying to do some tiny homes and the city of Chatham's like, tell us what your friends are doing in London and we'll, uh, and we'll try and figure this out with you. So they're very like, because I think for the longest time, there really wasn't a lot of investments happening in Chatham. And now obviously people are flooding into the area because land's so cheap and properties are so cheap that there's a lot of money coming in. And I think they're in a situation now where it's like, what do we do? Like, how do we make this work for everybody? So they're, they're on board to help you. So, man, that'd be refreshing. I wish it was like that up around here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So if somebody's coming down to Chatham and they're from far away, like what, 
what's reasonably possible for them, not reasonably possible for them as a strategy? Can they expect to get into kind of a perfect bird type scenario if they were trying to do this for themselves? Or is that, does that take a certain level of skill that's, that's unlikely unless they're there? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I would definitely say, uh, perfect burrs are, you can do them all day long. Uh, for example, Taylor and I have been very intentional over the last two weeks to buy properties. We've bought a lot of properties on the MLS that are, that in my opinion, that are going to be perfect burrs. I just bought a property, a single family house for 140,000. It's going to put about 40,000 into it. It's going to refi at about 280. So like perfect burr. Um, there's, there's these deals all day long. I just bought a duplex last night for 220 going to put about 50 into it. It's going to refi around 350. So, I mean, you're getting really close to perfect birds all day long on the MLS. It's just, I think it's just being very intentional about like knowing the numbers on the back end, right? Because for the longest time, you know, you'd buy a duplex and you're like nothing selling that's, that's actually done up nicely. And so there aren't good comps where now there's a lot of very good comps, right? Investors are coming in, flipping over these duplexes and putting them right back on the market, making very good margins. Uh, but then for investors like myself that are keeping them, we've got really good comps to support the projects we're doing. So I would say realistically, uh, all my students are doing it. Um, mm-hmm. and I'm, and I'm always happy to help more people uh, get into the market and, right. and do them for themselves. Okay. So. And your students are, are people that don't even necessarily live in Chatham or no, I think the closest one's maybe an hour and a half. So, okay. I mean, we're kind of all, we're, we're really doing this as like, we're I, really what we try and teach is how do you develop a business out of this? So it's not being that the boots on the ground all the time. It's like trying yeah. to do this um, while you still have a full-time day job. So a lot of it's yeah. virtual and a lot of it's uh, just, as long as you can connect with a good contractor, a good realtor, uh, a lot of things are, are kind of yeah. set in place for you. So, yeah, now that's the challenge, right? You say that the contractor is the hardest part. So if you're bringing all these people into Chatham, I'm sure the contractors there are already in quite high demand. Is that, is that the big hurdle for your students to, to find their contractors? Um, yeah, I, I would say so. Uh, I think for, I think even for myself, sometimes contractors are difficult, right? I have, I have a team, I have three different contractors I work with pretty much full time. Uh, I think on any given day, we've got about 10, 15 people working for us. So there's a lot of demand for us, our, ourselves. Obviously, mm-hmm. you know, people coming in, they want to know like, who's Jeremy using? I want to, I want to use a realtor. I want to use your contractor. Or in the beginning, I was very open to that. And now I'm very cautious about who am I giving names out to? I'm right. essentially giving out no names in, in terms of contractors at this point. But, um, but you know what? Everyone has been able to overcome that obstacle. Uh, I think a lot of times that's just like what we're told, right? Contractors are very difficult to find, which they are, but this isn't yeah. like an, it's not a very easy business uh, if you're trying to grow aggressively. So you're going to face some sort of uh, hurdles anyways. It's just, it just happens to be contractors, but. Right. And I imagine you don't really try and push with a contractor until you've had some sort of a, a test run with them. Like they've shown you that they're reasonable in their rates, their bills. Um, like, how do you approach that? Because I, I've always been a bit of a control freak and probably to my detriment, um, not wanting surprises. That's why I've always acted as my own general and then just hired the subs, but that's time consuming too. And there's a lot, there's a lot involved. So if you're hiring general contractors, are they giving you firm pricing? Are they giving you a range? Are you okay with that? Um, how, how does that typically look? Yeah. So on, on the pre-buy part of our standard operating procedure on the pre-buy, it's usually just a budget. Um, you know, where are we going to be at? So when, when we close on this thing and I always want them to go high, uh, and then, and then we kind of dig into the numbers. If I do get the property, things like that. Now, when we're doing, uh, projects, it's, it's actually kind of project to project. So I'm actually, we're renovating our house right now, adding a secondary suite in our basement. Um, that's all just time and material. So there, so, because I knew like, there's no, like I'm going to, me and Taylor are going to change our mind so much. There's no way you can quote this and we're not going to have an argument about it. So just time and material. What do you feel like you want to get paid? Now in Chatham, uh, on the joint venture side of things, it's always hard quotes because I, I can't get my uh, joint ventures a surprise. Like it's going to be 20,000 and now it's 35,000. Now for my personal stuff, I've used the same contractors. Uh, like my main guy, I've used them since day one. He was the first person to ever do a maintenance call for me. And now he's doing full-blown renovations for me. So I'm not really jumping contractor to contractor. And we, we kind of have this figured out, you know, like what's a one bedroom going to cost when we have to gut most of it what's a one bedroom going to cost if we're just you know doing flooring in a kitchen like we mm-hmm. kind of have these numbers figured out so yeah. you know maybe one's going to go fifteen thousand, one's going to be 17 but we're always in that price range and, mm-hmm. and okay so if, uh, a partial gut you know 15 to seventeen thousand for a single unit yeah exactly. and that, that could be a one two three bed yeah we're i mean a lot of them i 
I've actually, uh, actually, yeah, I've renovated one three bedroom, but there's really not a lot yeah. of three bedrooms, right? Because we're buying a lot of these yeah. converted dwellings where you're just trying to squeeze in as many units as possible. And so usually you're just getting small one beds, maybe some two beds here and there, but yeah, we have that sort of figured out. But actually we're using for our 12 plex, we're using a contractor that does uh, very high volume. So he does actually a lot of apartment turnover. Yeah. So with him, it's, uh, it's hard quotes. Um, but for him, it's just speed, right? He, he does these two bedroom units yeah. in like a week. Uh, which is like, whereas like my right. guys would do it in like four weeks. So obviously his price is going to be a lot more competitive than my other guys, but you know, it, you know, the quality is going to be uh, yeah. diminished a lot. So. And are you usually typically providing your own materials in these instances? And then these guys are just quoting labor. So we have a standard uh, materialist uh, procedure. So it, it really just details every so single the thing. Same we cabinets, order. flooring, trim, um, hardware for fixtures, everything. Yeah. Uh, layout wise, are they just copying what's already there or they're reusing the same cabinets? Uh, we've, we never, we've, I don't think I've ever used the same cabinets. Um, oh, so you just I mean, switch, switch the cabinets, but keep the layout more or less usually. I would say uh, there's, there's, there's very few times where we'll take out a wall. Um, sometimes we've got like galleyway kitchen. So we take out that galley wall so that at least the kitchen's kind of opened up right. a little bit more. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, everybody's kind of on the same board as that. So anytime that we introduce a new contractor, they have a list of all of our previous projects so they can see like, okay, this is how Jeremy does these renovations. And then even with our standard list of renovations, uh, materials, you know, for flooring, you call Rachel at this number. This is how you email her. This is how uh, mm-hmm. you pay her. Like, and this is the exact flooring. This is how much it is per square foot. Same with the tile, same with the kitchen cabinets, right? Like hey, this is who you call. So it's, it's essentially like, I, like I've replaced that duty now, right? So right. I, I spent probably four or five hours on this list but now I'm saving four or five hours every single project because before I was that guy where, Hey, Hey, what do you need tomorrow for, for material? Oh shoot. You need, yeah. you need flooring. I can't even get you flooring tomorrow where it's now it's completely on that. Right. So they're quoting it right. and they're, they're, they're controlling it. So before they give you a quote, you give them that package and that package outlines where they're going to get everything and what it costs right now. And then you can update that as, as prices change. The only thing that's a bit of a variable, which I doubt you go into every single detail is it, well, just when you get into framing and stuff, but I guess you're not even getting into much of that. Like, cause wood prices uh, change so much and yeah, so I, put like a, an allowance. I, I put a lot of trust in my contractors. So I guess I never answered this question. So all of my quotes are just labor only. Uh, and yeah. the material is what it is. Um, they, they, when they, every, pretty much every vendor that they use, as soon as they, they pay that vendor, I get the receipt automatically sent to my email. Um, and usually it's got just, you know, what job it's for. So it's very easy to systematize it that way. Um, because yeah, I don't want, I don't want to waste, you know, two contractors time saying, you know, quote, all the material you need, all the baseboard, all the doors, all the trim, call the places, you know, figure out what it's going to cost roughly. And then they get screwed on the back. And especially with like, you know, sometimes you buy a door, it's a hundred bucks. And then, you know, you go there three weeks later and you realize there's a huge shortage and they're you know, trying to charge you $150 for that same door. So, um, yeah. so yeah, generally what we're doing, just labor only. Yeah. That, that makes a lot of sense. I would like it like that too. It kind of gives a, a better layer of control for you. Now, what are you doing? Um, as far as the detail in this package is just every single contractor and, and how, like, how to get a hold of them. How many pages is that? Is there anything in addition to that, that you're including expectations for the site cleanliness, things like that? Or do you not even go there? Yeah. So site cleanliness is a huge one. Uh, and that was, that was discovered early on. I took Taylor through a couple of renovations. She's like, these job sites are so terrible. They're so messy. And I was like, okay, like, and I was, I was kind of freaked out too that same day. And I was like, this is never happening again. And so, um, so yeah, site cleanliness is a big one. Uh, for our 12 plexes, we have the same contract doing that 12 plex. We, we made that, um, those expectations from day one, this is how we want it completed because we're trying to do more high end, uh, luxury mm-hmm. rentals, um, in some of these bigger buildings. And then obviously, you know, for our four plexes, maybe if they're in bad areas, we're going to, you know, change the quality of work where we're just going to do so- sort of cosmetic versus if we're in a better area, we're going to do, you know, sort of higher end finishes, but my contract, they've been with me so long that they kind of understand right. uh, what we're doing. Do you have any instances where you've dealt with somebody newer and um, they haven't met your expectations in, in some sort of significant way or are they usually just minor things? Yeah, I would say minor things. Uh, you know what? To tell you the truth, we've never really had a true, uh, truly difficult situation with a contractor. I'm a pretty easy guy to get along with. I think I attract good people around me. And so uh, with that, I mean, I've used the same contractor since day one. I've naturally just contractors have actually come to me and said, Jeremy, I want us to come start working, doing more of your job. So I've just attracted mm-hmm. kind of cool people around me. 
Um, I mean, I had a plumber a couple of weeks ago, like a plumber that I've used honestly since day one. Mm-hmm. I've the amount of beer cases I bought for this guy, the amount of tools yeah. I bought for this guy, like just really incentivizing him. I'm like, I think I'm like his best contractor to work for. Um, and then he went to do a plumbing job for me and he just left. He's like, I'm never working for you again, Jeremy. I don't know what I did. Um, but I think yeah. we're always going to have those issues regardless how much we try. Yeah. Occasionally so. you do need to prune them yourself too. I mean, I had yeah. a plumber that I worked with forever and an HVAC guy. And for one reason or another, they both just started, you know, the attitude shift was bringing down other people. And I'm like, as much as you guys get the job done. And the one was like incredibly like the best price ever. Um, I'm just like, I can't afford what you're doing to my site and the people that work here. And I just I had like to that. get rid of them yeah. because it, it ruins it for other people. I've had, I've had people who work for me say, um, yeah, we don't even want to work the job if that guy's on this job. I'm like, that's good to know that guy's gone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Like you just, you can't grow. And then those are the ones that'll cause you the, the challenges you don't need or want. So like you said, you want people that you could be friends with and uh, not that you're necessarily going to be, but I mean, there's no, I'm up here, you're down there. We talk to each other. We treat each other with mutual respect. And um, exactly. I like to approach the same way you do. Yeah. Just mutual respect. Everybody gets along. I'm very reasonable. I, it, seems, it really seems like you are too, when you're dealing with them. Yeah. Well, you're dealing with actual human beings. And I think that's a, right. like something that a lot of people yeah. overlook is like, they're, they're, they're exact same people as you are. Right. They're just doing a different job. One of the things I like to make, uh, you know, is, is a really important thing is uh, you got to understand that people, people don't want to be beaten down on price. Like I've, I've seen a lot of like newbie investors, like they, they think that, you know, oh, I'm in the driver's seat. I'm going to show that contractor, make, make them jump through all these hoops. Like that contractor is gone. <laughs> He's just going to go work for somebody who like treats him fairly and understands his value. So I don't think I've, I've actually, I've never beaten anybody up on a price. The only time mm-hmm. I've ever done it. So my HVAC company, I give a lot of business to them. Yeah. Uh, you know, there was a, there was a time and they're a huge company. They've got like 80 guys working for them, you know? And I, I went to them. I said, Hey, look guys, I've given you probably a hundred thousand dollars worth of business. Let's mm-hmm. do something for Jeremy. Cause Jeremy just replaced three furnaces. Right. So I'm okay with having those conversations, but yeah, my contractor yeah. that's working for me for 40 bucks an hour, you know, uh, doing a quoted job for probably 50 bucks an hour. I'm not going to beat him down to $48 an hour to lose him because how low, how low is he really going to go and how much effect mm-hmm. is it going to have on me? Because it's going to have a better effect on me if this guy's always around and always willing to, uh, you know, do, yeah. do these small things for me that, that really add up over time. They definitely do, man. Uh, okay. What else did I want to ask you here? Um, you got your property management structure acquisition. Oh yeah. The salary and bonus for your acquisition. Is that going to be roughly a 50, 50% for your, your new guy? Like he's going to get 50% base salary and then 50% will be sort of bonuses. Yeah. So they're going to get his base salary. Um, and then for every deal that we buy, it's going to get $5,000 and mm-hmm. whether that's on MLS or off MLS. And, um, now there's, there's very, uh, particular criteria that these properties need to meet, right? It's not just every property he gets. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, and then we kind of, we're going to do, uh, for every 10, for every 10 properties we buy, he's going to buy one. So really trying to put him in a position where he's also right. going to grow his future because I'm not going to do this for the rest of my life. I'm not going to own, uh, well, I shouldn't say this, but I, I don't foresee me owning a thousand years. So there's a time where this slows down, right? So yeah. I want to prune him. So he's maybe able to do what I'm doing, uh, in one or two years from now, right? Like we have a big goal. Let's grow in the next two years incredibly aggressive and then let's stop that's what our plan is now it's probably going to change but that's our plan now so yeah for every 10 properties he's going to get one or at least have an opportunity to buy one Mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be that 10th one it could be whatever one fits his model um so he's going to learn obviously uh through through uh learning about real estate what what really fits his criteria and uh and then yeah then we're going to do i'm I'm sure we're going to do a lot of wholesaling too and that will be a 50 50 uh split on those fees so okay so just whatever you can get do 50 50 exactly okay i think that's something similar to what matt mckeever's crew has uh has done which makes a lot of sense yeah and i think the biggest thing is really i i want him to be set up so so if i if i do want to leave i'm comfortable with you can do Mm -hmm. your own thing and and we've talked about i i said you know you're you're going to be making you're probably going to be making me like a lot quite a bit of money. And you're going to realize very early on uh, that you're probably leaving a lot of meat on the bone. And I said, we're, we're always, so after the first three months, we're going to have an open discussion. What do you feel like is necessary now? Right. Because again, like he's going to be providing a lot of value for us. So I want to make sure I'm providing that mm-hmm. back to him and, yeah. um, and whatever that may be, maybe he buys a share in our company. I don't know what that, that looks like. Um, mm-hmm. All I know is I'm willing to, to compensate so that, so that we all grow together um, yeah. to the level that we want. 
Yeah, that's that's a great lesson, man. I really appreciate you sharing that. Um, do you mind telling me, like, I know you said you're going to be going to Costa Rica. What do you, where do you see yourself in five and ten years? So I know where I see myself in two years. I wrote out a very detailed, vivid vision of of what our life looks like in two years. Uh, it's, but in five years, I I think I'm going to be the guy that's golfing every single day and and just. Uh, I don't know, probably doing that a lot more. Um, but in, in, in the, over the next two years, what our life really is going to look like is we want to travel six months a year, every single year for the next two years. Uh, definitely don't see that as being impossible. Um, that's why we're kind of building our business right now so that it is possible. We want to own 200 units in the next two years. So by uh, December uh, 31st, 2023, we're going to own 200 units. Again, I don't really see a big issue uh, with getting to that point. Um, we're also going to be, we're going to have an awesome house hack here at our property. So we're going to be very, like, we're going to feel very free with, you know, the amount of capital we need to make and the amount of capital we can kind of give away or, or, uh, or help other people with. Um, I, I mean, I still want to continue doing the coaching. I think it's very valuable for a lot of people. I don't even really charge that much, uh, for the value they're getting, right? If somebody buys one property learning from me, I think the values that it's, it's already paid for, um, really enjoying doing that. But, um, but really beyond that, man, I don't really know, you know, my, my strategy changes like weekly, probably similar mindset to you where my brain's, you know, going over here, going over there. I don't really know where I'm going half yeah. the time. I've, I've really tried to hone down on, on what it is I want um, yeah. and really focus on like, if I don't like doing something, I'm never doing it again. It is like the mindset I'm doing uh, or are pushing towards. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's, that's one of those things that for me, like there's a lot of just, I'm so grateful that I don't have to do it because uh, yeah. you get to choose, but that does breed a little bit of a complacency, right? If I could, you know, I could push harder and, you know, maybe I just get get a little more creative. So it's not doing things I don't like, um, you know, just, just finding people that'll do those jobs like you're doing. So I'll be uh, certainly interested as you keep growing this and delegating more to hear, hear about those experiences and, and, um, how you've navigated through them. That'd be great. Yeah. Because I think a big thing that I was facing, uh, probably for the last two years is I was always chasing this needle that was always moving faster than I was moving. And I was never like fully content with where I've come. And it was actually when I was out in Hawaii at that mastermind where I was finally like, this is really cool. Uh, because you know, like I had a goal of putting my job in five years, I quit my job in a year. Um, and me and Taylor were talking, we're like, can you imagine we thought two years ago we'd be at where we're at right now? And the answer is no. We would have thought we maybe had owned 20 units, 15 units, whatever the case may be. So we're like, now I'm like very grateful for where I'm at and like really enjoying the process and trying to celebrate all of these small wins that I necessarily didn't celebrate um, over the past two years. So, yeah. Oh, you're killing it, man. It's, uh, this has just been like a really, really packed episode in terms of gold nuggets. So people listening are going to need to give this another uh, listen and watch and, uh, and really internalize it. I really appreciate you sharing. Where do people find you if they want to learn more? Yeah. So I'm most active on Instagram at Jeremy Ivany. Uh, shoot me a DM, uh, mm-hmm. and watch my stories every single day, trying to give uh, inspiration to everybody to reach um, their, the goals that they're, they're really trying to go after. So. Well, good on you. All right, buddy. Really appreciate it. Any parting words of wisdom before we uh, send off? Yeah, take action. Seek uh, seek advice from those doing what you want to do and uh, never take no for an answer. Oh, I like it. <laughs> All right, man. <laughs> that was great. Thanks again. No problem. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. Please make sure to share this episode far and wide. Help it help more people. I really appreciate you tuning in. Thanks. I'll see you on the next one. <laughs>